Let's take our Bibles tonight. Please turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And uh, for those of you who remember, I remember to congratulate Pastor Harry Strachan Jr. Today was his 25th anniversary at Calvary Baptist Church in Ashland, Ohio. And so they have the service on live stream and Facebook and all the rest. And so I watched that this afternoon a little bit. And uh, some of you might see some things you remember. They had some video footage from back here years ago, 30 years ago. And uh, we all looked a lot younger. And so they panned the choir and such. And so we were up there. I, I never believed Rob sang in the choir. I couldn't remember. And there he was standing right beside me in the choir loft. So we have video proof at this point. Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, and I am glad you're here tonight, and I appreciate you being here this morning and and breaking into three services, and let me encourage you, if if you don't need nursery or junior church and are able to come at 8 or 9.15, that would help us a lot. Our 10.30 service is getting pretty full, and so we're trying to push a little bit more down to 8 to 9.50. I know that's a, that's a chore for some of you, but if you could do that, uh, you're able to come, that would be wonderful. We'd appreciate that so much. The signups are already on the registrations page, and so I haven't sent out an email yet, and we'll do that tomorrow or maybe tonight even, but if you want to go ahead and register, you can direct yourself there, and you can register on your Church Center app or right online, however you do that, all right? So you can sign up for next week, and the early bird gets the worm, they say, so I hope that you'll sign up soon. All right, let's turn to Luke chapter 15. Now, a couple weeks ago on Sunday night, I uh, we had just one of those services where the Lord just kind of directed me a little differently than what I was expecting, and we um, I preached a little bit, first of all, on salvation. Later on in the service, I preached on Luke 15 about the prodigal son returning unto the Lord, and you might remember that, you might not. But ever since that night, the message has been stuck in my heart. That passage of Scripture has just been churning me up a little bit and trying to understand it better. And so I've been studying it and praying over it and, and put it more together a little bit this afternoon, a little bit more. And so I'd like to preach to you from Luke chapter 15, verse 11, uh, a message entitled, If the Lord Would Help Me Tonight, A Rebel in the Father's House. A Rebel in the Father's House. You know, it's interesting about Scripture. I don't know how many times over the years I've preached Luke chapter 15, but it's interesting that every time you read the Bible, you see something different. Something new, something fresh, and that's the Holy Spirit of God that teaches us and shows us that the Word of God is applicable to anything in life, and if we just seek it out and search what God has for us. So look at Luke chapter 15, we'll look at verse 11 t- tonight. The Bible says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. 
But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him in compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. The father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. There came, therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come to the Word of God, we ask, Lord, that you would use it to its full strength and potential in our lives, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that we'd be surrendered to it. Lord, help us just to quickly examine our hearts and lives and admit and confess before God tonight that whatever the Bible says about us is true. We are what it says we are. We need what it says we need. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us, help us to see and understand and through spiritual eyes, glean from the Word of God tonight. I pray that the Spirit of God would fill me. I surrender to you and ask for the words to say. And so help us and grow us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 15, we read some parables that the Lord Jesus Christ is sharing. First of all, he speaks of the lost sheep. Then he speaks of a lost coin, how a woman would sweep her house completely just to find that lost coin. But in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, he gives us the lengthiest parables in the scripture. He talks about the lost son, the one that would go astray. And we see several characters in this chapter. As a matter of fact, four of them have speaking parts, if you will. We have, of course, the parable, the prodigal son, and then we have the brother of the prodigal. We have the father, but we also have a servant that actually gives us one verse of scripture telling the brother what is going on inside the house. There's other servants there that will get a robe and a ring and some that will prepare a fatted calf. But those are the four that we see in the scripture, but only three of them are really prominent. And I want you to key in on those three tonight. I want you to notice, first of all, as we consider the scripture and this parable that we have called the prodigal son, we see, first of all, the rebel. The rebel. The Bible starts in verse 11 talking about a man who had two sons. Of these two sons, one went to his father and asked that he would have his inheritance. And the Bible says he took that inheritance. And a few days later, he went off into a far-off country. And there he spent all on riotous living. And then there was a famine in the land. So he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And the Bible says it wasn't long. He was out feeding the swine. And 
not making very good with money or making ends meet, he would begin to eat the husks that were offered to the swine, and no other person would help him. It was a desperate situation. This rebel would rebel against his father's house, and he would go off, and we see some things tonight, and I, I would offer you some things that would help us maybe understand the, the mindset of this young man. And so first of all, I would say, uh, let's, let's consider some ponderings on his re- rebellion. You see, what does the scripture say about why he rebelled? Why did he desire to leave home? And, and I, I can offer you nothing from scripture. I can only say this, that perhaps he was like many other young people. And we often say that about young people, but let's be honest, some of us older folks, we have rebellious hearts at times as well. And though we may not take all that we have and go off into a far off country, our hearts can still be far from God. So we see this young man as we ponder a little bit about his rebellion, and perhaps he was just simply ungrateful. Perhaps he was disillusioned. I remember growing up at Bethel Baptist Church, and, and, and all my life I went to Port Dover schools, and then when I got to the last year of school in 12th grade, I said, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to go off into the ministry one day, and perhaps I need to go to the academy for a year. And I'm glad I did, because they, they kind of whipped me into shape in some areas that if I'd just gone to Bible college, I might have been home in a week or two. And I was glad to come, and so I had saved some money up from working a summer job and paid for the tuition, and I came to the academy, and I enjoyed my last year there, but I can remember many, many students that would say, I can't wait to get out of here. And I'm thinking, you don't know how good you have it. You don't realize how blessed you are. And we always have this idea that maybe the grass is greener. I've never tasted of the world. And we become disillusioned and think, maybe if I just get out of here for a little while. I'm thankful that many of those did taste, but they came back. Praise the Lord. Maybe he was disillusioned. Maybe he was ungrateful to his father. Perhaps it was a matter of being misled by others. Or perhaps it was just the appeal of the world and the lust of the flesh that said, I must go. So we ponder about his rebellion, but I would suggest tonight that his rebellion is probably no different than yours and mine from time to time. But we do have some scriptural evidence of some other things. We see, secondly, the price of his rebellion. The price of his rebellion. Notice what it says in verse 12 of Luke chapter 15. I got, sorry, I turned my page too far. Verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father... Give me the portion of goods that have fallen to me. And he divided unto them his living. Understand this, as this young man went off in his rebellion, he understood it was going to cost something. This isn't going to be free. Dad, I need some money if I'm going to do this. There's always a cost to rebellion. But if you'll notice in the scripture, the greatest cost was not financial. The Bible says it cost him, first of all, we see his inheritance, but secondly, it cost him his relationships. The Bible says he went off into a far off country back in those days. We understand what that's like. We live far away from a lot of people in our lives. And and our hearts right now are in Texas with a family that is grieving the loss of their son. But we can still, we can open up our computer and we can see them face to face and we can talk. There was no bell telephone in those days. There was no phone booth. Young people, I'm already dating myself, aren't I? There were no cell phones, no computers. There wasn't even a telegraph, if you know what that is. 
I don't even know if there was carrier pigeons that could fly that far. But they had lost all contact. He didn't speak to his father. He didn't speak to his brother. Those servants that perhaps were friends in his father's house, the others that worked alongside him, it cost him something, this rebellion. It cost him his inheritance. It cost him his relationship. Friends, it cost him his pride. Look what it says in verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he, he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the huts that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare it? I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants here was a young man that likely had men underneath of him his father had servants and being the son of the father likely he would reign with his father and be able to tell the servants which fields to work that day and others would serve him in his home and bring a meal to his table but now he was eating the husks that were left over from the swine it cost him his inheritance and his relationships and his very pride hey rebellion always costs you something If I were to say number four, it cost him his, you could fill in the blank. We all know that when we've been rebellious against God, what it has cost us, sin always has a price that's far too high to pay. We see some ponderings about his rebellion and the price of his rebellion. I want you to see thirdly the prayer of his rebellion. The prayer of his rebellion. Look at verse 17. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Here's his prayer Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I like that phrase there. It says, When he came to himself. When he came to himself, when he got back to what God had intended him to be, when his mind cleared up and he realized, I'm not fulfilling the plan of my father in my life. When he came to himself and understood that he was lost and out of God's will and out of his father's care, he went back to his father and he prayed to his father, would you help me? No doubt there was more prayers going on than just this boy's. I imagine his father prayed. If you're a parent here tonight, you understand. And listen, I would dare say that every parent in this room understands what it's like to deal with the rebellion of a child at some point or another. You may have perfect kids. You may have great kids. But there's always a moment, isn't there? There's always a time at some point in their life where they try to exercise that will. Maybe when they were two. Amen? Maybe when they're 13. Maybe, maybe when they get to be 17 or 18 and think they can just take the car and do whatever they want. and We, we, we battle with that rebellious, prideful spirit from time to time. And even great people uh, struggle with it. Listen, hey, listen, I have a sin nature. We've all had a sin nature. We've all been at odds with God. And we understand what it's like to have a rebellious child. And, and, the, and the Bible says that this, this father, I no doubt, I'm sure he was praying as this young man was in a far off country. And he's praying to his heavenly father, God, help my son. I haven't heard from him. 
I haven't seen him. I kind of think that's why the father was standing at the road watching, waiting for the son to come home. Nowhere in this passage, by the way, do we see that the father protested. He never tried to talk him out of it. He never tried. You know, we have a free will before God. We have the ability to choose. God wants us to choose him. He desires for us to have a relationship with him, but he doesn't force anybody. So we see, first of all, tonight, the rebel. But I want you to see, secondly, in this story, we see the redeemer. The redeemer. Look what it says in verse 20. And by the way, this, this is not the point of the message, but if you're listening tonight and you don't know Christ, you need a redeemer. And you're going to hear about a good God, a good heavenly father who loves us. And we understand through the scriptures that he sent his son to die for us and shed his blood for us and pay the price for our sins. That rebellion that we have committed, God has paid that price. We just must trust him. But look tonight at the Redeemer in verse 20. The Bible says, but, and, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. We see this Redeemer. It was the father who took him back. And it was the father who left the door open. It was the father who provided for him when he had nothing left. You may say, well, the boy in desperation rose up from the pig pen and he went home to his father. But friends, it was the allure of the father's house that drew him. The Bible says in verse 17, and when he came to himself, the first thing he thought was this, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I pair, my father's house is so good. That's what drew him. That was the first memory he had. You know, we have such a loving Heavenly Father that when we get off in rebellion, I think the first thing God puts in our heart is, do you remember how good you had it back here? Do you remember how good I was to you? And he draws us back with love and compassion. Listen, a Redeemer, first of all, we see in verse, this very verse, verse 20, it, it is marked a Redeemer. A Redeemer is one who shows compassion. Look what it says. His father when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. He's one who shows compassion. And if we read on to verse 21, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best. He didn't, he didn't take the time to listen to all of his confession. He didn't want to make the boy grovel and fall on his face. Instead, he picked him up in compassion and fell upon his neck and wept on him. There was always an open door. There was always a place you could come back to with the Father because he loved him. He loved him. A Father is one who shows compassion. A Redeemer, secondly, is one, look, oh, I love this, listen. He is one who spoils with care. Do you know how spoiled you are tonight? I don't mind telling you this, you're spoiled rotten. Spoiled rotten. You get all this in heaven too. You have a, a Savior who loves you and died for you. I'm not going to hell. I'm spoiled. A Redeemer spoils us with his care. Look what it says in verse 21. And the Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the Father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe. 
put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Uh, you know, I saw something just now I've never seen before. Oh, this, woo. I like it. Listen to this. The father, where is the father right now? He's down at the end of the road. He saw his son afar off. And he yells back to his servants, Bring forth a robe and a ring and shoes. Now, common sense would say, why don't we just go to the house and get a robe and a ring and some shoes? Do you know what his dad was doing? He was covering his shame. He said, I don't want you to come back home and all the servants see you like this. Let's put a robe on. Let's put a ring on. Let's put some shoes on those feet. You're dirty. Let me cover it all up so you're not shamed in front of others. Man, we have a good father. He spoils us with his care. And he says, kill a fatted calf. My son, which was dead, is now alive. Let us make merry. What a God. He said, well, does God do that for us? He has robed you in his righteousness. He has covered you in his blood. We walk around in guilt and shame, and he says, no, no, no. The devil can't accuse you because he can't see all that. I've covered it. It's gone. Buried in the depths of the sea as far removed as the east is from the west. We're clean. Listen, he doesn't just care about your soul. He cares about your shame and your guilt. And he covers it all. Man, I like that. Praise the Lord. He's one who spoils with care. Listen, when we talked about him being one who shows compassion, that's mercy. But one who spoils with care, that's grace. That's above and beyond. That's what we do not deserve. God has given us anyway. But then we see a redeemer is thirdly this. One who has a singular concern. They say, what do you mean? Look at verse 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. That son came to his father and he had a speech all lined up, didn't he? I will arise and go back to my father's house. And I will say to him, I have sinned against heaven and against thee. Make me as one of thy servants. I'm no longer worthy to be thy son. His father didn't care about any of it. Not a bit. The only thing he cared about was one who was dead is now alive. One who was lost is now found. You see, that's the singular purpose of God. So many people say, I, I just can't come to God. I, I can't go to the Lord. He's gonna, he, I, I'm just not worthy of forgiveness and I, I, I'm filthy and I, I, I'm not, I don't deserve his grace. Well, nobody deserves his grace. Can I tell you this? God doesn't care. The devil cares more about that than God does because he's paid the price for all your sins. Here's what God cares about. You're dead and he wants to make you alive. You were lost and now you're found. You were a rebel, but now you're redeemed. That's what God cares about. He said, can you prove that from scripture? When Jesus was a little boy, 12 years old, what did he say? The only words we have in scripture as a child, I must be about my father's what? Business. Do you know what he said his father's business was in Luke chapter 19? The son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
That was the Father's business. God was not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. We're so, listen, you're more worried about your sin and and the devil. Listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying go out and sin and have fun. I'm not talking about that at all. But I'm saying we, we think God can't fix it. God can't forgive it. God can't cleanse it. God, God wants to take the law. He says in this whole chapter, if we were to go back, he says, I'm going to leave the 99, go find the lost sheep. I'm going to sweep a whole house so I find the lost coin. When one soul gets saved, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. There, there's a, a, a real theme throughout the scripture. God loves the sinner. And he'll do whatever he can to save you. Say, you know, he went all the way to the cross. Oh, what a wonderful father. What a wonderful heavenly father. A redeemer is one who has a singular concern. It's redemption. Then we see a third character in this passage. We've talked about the rebel. We've talked about the redeemer. Once you see the third guy, I've called him the religious. You see, the religious. I've never thought about the brother as being religious. Look what the Bible says. Look at verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. As he came, understand, it's a parable, right? So when it says he's in a field, it's talking about a spiritual application here. This is a parable. He said, well, I don't know, maybe it's a real... No, the Bible says that Jesus didn't speak ever without parables. This is a parable. We have the three parables in this passage. And he says, the, the elder was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, and he said unto them, Thy brother has come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound, and he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots. Notice who's concerned about the brother's sin. The father says, my son who was dead is now alive. My son who was lost is now found. It's, it's the brother living in the father's house that's concerned about his sin. He says he's devoured his living with harlots. He says, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Can you see the picture of religion in this young man? A boy trying to please his father through his works. Not understanding, he was loved simply because of their relationship. Notice, first of all, he was faithfully serving. The Bible says in verse 25, Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. Notice, his son was out in the field. The prodigal, the rebel, was out in a pig pen. He was in a far-off country. He was spending all his living on riotous living. He had spent all that he had and lived The Bible says, as the brother points out, with harlots. What a horrible, horrible demise to a life. And yet it was this young man that was faithfully serving his father, and he felt that that should earn some merit. I'm out in the field, and I'm faithfully serving, but we see, secondly, he's also full of self. 
The Bible says in verse 29, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid. And he begins to sing his own praises and telling his father all the good things he had done. It reminds me of a passage of scripture. That says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This young man was faithfully serving but full of self and thinking he deserved a calf because he had always been there and always served. He was religious. And notice the third thing. He said this, I'm not as bad as my brother. By comparison, I'm not like him. In verse 30, as soon as this, thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fat. He is completely off the rails. I've been living for you. I have been religious. He was not completely satisfied. He was not completely satisfied. Notice what the Bible says in verse 29. Here's This is important. Or verse 30. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with hearts, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. Being religious had left him empty. I don't have a calf. I've never had a party with my friends. I'm the one that's been religious around here. Faithfully in the fields. Serving you day and night. I've never broke any laws at any time. I've never transgressed. Yet the one that's been out with the harlots... He's having a party and he's having a calf. You see, being religious will never satisfy you. But notice verse 30. Verse 31. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Here's something that the son forgot, the religious he was working and serving and trying to gain the favor of his father. And he forgot that on the merits of their relationship alone, everything the father had was already his. Man, there's so many that miss out on that. Dad, why have you never given me a calf? Because they're already yours. They already belong to you. Everything I have, it's yours. You want a calf? Go in the field and get a calf. You don't have to ask my permission. They're yours. Did, did I already say tonight we have a good heavenly father? Listen, listen. So many Christians miss this. We're religious about church. We come faithfully and we wonder why the next guy is getting blessed more than us. Friends, it's already yours. All that the father has belongs to you. Hey, when we get to heaven, nobody's mansion going to be any bigger than anybody else's. Your crown ain't going to glitter any more than mine. God is a good God who's going to bless us with all heavenly riches in Christ Jesus. We just need to learn how to claim it and trust him. This young man thought, I can impress my father with my religiousness. I can work and I can be good and I can be faithful. And one day everything he has will be mine. And the father says, you're missing out on something, friend. Everything I have already is yours. It already belongs to you. You can already have the blessings of God. 
This, my son, yes, we're going to rejoice because he's been lost and he's been found and he's been dead and he's alive. And he says it again in verse 32, repeats the very same thing. My son is alive. God delights in redeeming people, but those that have a relationship with him are already blessed. We just don't even realize it. Oh, man, let me give you one more thing. We've looked at the rebel. We've looked at the redeemer. We've looked at the religious. Let me show you the results. The Bible says in verse 28, and he was angry. We're talking about the older brother. And he was angry and would not go in. Can I ask you something? Where was all the rejoicing taking place? Inside the father's house. Where was there music and dancing? One a Baptist house, obviously. Where was there music and dancing? Hey, don't let it scare you. It's okay. It's okay. It's Bible. It was in the house. Hey, where could you get a taste of that fatted calf? In the house. But the son's so upset, he couldn't even go in. He was missing out on all the blessings of God. Because he was jealous of his little brother. Hey, here's the thing about God. When he forgets all your sin, when he forgets that you've ever sinned, listen, he obviously can't even tell how long you've been saved. Huh? The Bible says that there was a day I I was born again. John 3.16 says that I can have everlasting life. I believe everlasting life in John 3.16 is from my perspective. Because everlasting means it has a start with no end. Do you know what John 3.17 says? That I can have eternal life. Do you know what eternal life is? No beginning and no ending. I believe that's God's perspective. Because how could God ever think I was a sinner if he forgot all my sin? How could God ever look at somebody that is washed in the blood of the Lamb and clothed in the righteousness of Christ and ever think that my eternal life had a beginning somewhere? The sinner that walks through that door, stinking of alcohol, looking like the world, lost and undone, and comes down to this old-fashioned altar and asks Jesus Christ to save them from their sins, has all the same benefits as I do that's been saved for 40 years. Hey, man. Hey, do you have any favorite kids? No, we love them all the same. And God loves us all the same. And I thank God that if somebody were to get saved tonight, God's going to welcome you into his family and welcome you into his house just the same as somebody's been saved for 100 years. Because he's a good father. This young religious man got angry and jealous of that brand new babe in Christ. He said, why does he get what I never had? And the father says, you forget, you've always had it. You just didn't take advantage of it. Here's the result. Here's the result. The rebel became the redeemed, but the religious became the rebel. The rebel became the redeemed, but the religious became the rebel. Kind of traded places. The religious fellow was on the outside looking in. He didn't taste of the Father's goodness. 
Because he thought he could earn it on his own. And his father so wisely reminded him, son, you're always with me. We have a relationship. And everything I have is yours. Can I ask you tonight, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm not looking for that. How many of you have forgotten that? How many of you have been saved for so long that you have forgotten that everything God has is for you? Not because of the things you do. I think you ought to do some things. Amen? I think, I think we ought to serve Christ. I think we ought to live for God. You say, why? Because one day we will be judged for our works. And that's where things will be burned up as wood, hay, and stubble or come through as gold, silver. It doesn't merit our salvation. It doesn't change our place in heaven. But that's where we will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's where he'll give us a crown that we can throw at the feet of Jesus. I want to have something to throw to the feet of Jesus. I think we ought to serve and love him and in the very feeble way try to at least repay something that he has done for us as a show of our love and adoration for God. But friend, by the simple merits of knowing Christ and having a relationship with your heavenly father, you can have all the blessings of the Bible. All the promises of the book are mine. You have heavenly home. Listen, don't ever lose sight of what God has done for you. That's exactly what this young man did. The religious became a rebel. Two important words, and I'm done. I want you to notice in verse 32. Look what the Father says. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. That word meet is the first word I want to point out to you. You say, what does it mean? It means right and proper. The Father says it is right and proper that we rejoice when somebody gets saved. When somebody goes from death to life, from lost to found, it's right and proper. And friends, maybe, maybe we would have an easier time accepting the blessings of God if we'd rejoice when God saves somebody else. If there's rejoicing in the presence of angels, why, why couldn't we rejoice? Why can't we get excited? And that's a question I have for that older brother. Why can't you be excited about your brother that has come home? And I wonder tonight if there were some folks that are away from the Lord and away from church, if maybe we got a little excited when they came to church and we got a little excited when they got right with God, or even if they took that first baby step and said, hey, would you pray for me? I'm struggling. And we get excited for him and say, God, brother, I want to help you as much as I can. I love you and I want to encourage you and I'm going to call you and I'm going to text you and I'm going to edify you as the best I can. I wonder if that would help somebody. The father says, you don't understand, son. It, this, is, this is well and proper. This is good. What's going on in the house? Man, I want you to be a part of it too. It is meat. Let me show you one other word. Go back to verse 28. Listen, if you're outside the family of God, God wants to save you. Look at verse 28. I like this. The brother was angry. He says he was angry and would not go in. There came, for came his father out. Look at that next three words. And entreated him. You say, what does entreated mean? It means to beg or plead. To beg or plead. Can you imagine the father begging? Pleading with his son. He said, how did he do it? Well, the Bible doesn't give us the words necessarily, but I think he said... Son, I love you. I love you. Come on in. 
You never got me a fatted calf. Son, you want a calf? That whole field over there, they're all yours. Every one of them belongs to you. <clears throat> the ones here, the sheep over there, the goats over there, the, the back 40 over there, all these servants, it's all yours. He got one. You get it all. I, I just want to make a point of that word entreated. Listen, when we get away from the Lord, how many times does God come along and beg you? Get a hold of your heart. Stirring things up. You know, this, this stubborn young man, the scripture never tells us if he ever goes in the house. He never tells us if he gets a taste of that calf. Never tells us if he goes in and rejoices, rejoices and sings and dances with the others. He just kind of stubbornly stood there as his father begged and pleaded with him. I'm wondering tonight, have you done the same? Are you in that position right now? God is stirring your heart to do something and you say, no, I'm kind of settled right where I am. I'm kind of happy right here outside. Yeah, I understand I may not get all the blessings of what's going on in there, but I, I've just, we sing that song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved, but we don't mean it in the same way that the songwriter did. You'll never stir me, you'll never move me, God. There's a father that's pleading with you tonight because he loves you. No other reason. He doesn't intend to make a slave out of you. He doesn't intend to put you down and make you subservient. No, just the opposite. He raises you up to be a child of God, to be a prince as a son of the king or a princess for some of you. Got to be careful nowadays. But your royalty... You have the blood of Christ. And he loves you. And all that he has is yours. Boy, the devil likes to tell you otherwise. He likes to say, oh, look what God is doing for everybody else. I don't need to remind you anymore tonight what God has done for you. Because he loves you. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you and we thank you for being so good to us. Help us to learn from the rebel and the religious. But Lord, most importantly, help us to remember the plan of the Redeemer. Thank you, Lord, for the Father and all that he does for us. God, we do pray that you'd speak to our hearts and stir us tonight. And maybe there's some that have stood against your will. They're afraid of what it might mean. They're afraid they might have to step out by faith. They're afraid they may have to do more to serve you. God, I'm here to tell you that there's nothing but blessing ahead for those that will surrender to Christ. All that the Father has is at our fingertips if we'll just obey him and follow. Lord, if we just take advantage of that relationship that he has placed us in through the blood of Christ. Lord, maybe there's one here tonight that doesn't know Jesus. They're in that far off country. Lord, they need to come back. They need to meet the Father. They need to know his grace. So I pray that you stir those hearts. Do the work that only you can do. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Brother Cody's going to lead an invitation over in the gym, and we'll have one here. If God has spoke to your heart, would you come to this altar tonight and speak to him? Could I encourage you to surrender 100%?
well, you, you already have a relationship with God? Are you experiencing his blessings? Do you know his bounty in your life? Surrender. Surrender.